Ghostman Horror Host here. Doomsday Father Christmas, a tragedy in one act by Corinne Patrick Burke. With thanks to Mary Sylvia for his inspiration and Terry Lamsmer for the title. On a hill overtaking the, overlooking the city, the old man sat quietly in his sleigh and the rain still grabbed in his gloved hands. His hooded greys roamed over the houses down in the valley to his right a mass of twinkling lights brimful of expectant children each one led into sleep by the promise that what the morning would bring and what the old man asked himself will the morning bring for me immediately the answer presented itself courtesy of his wife's disabled voice which he cherished and adored in equal measures depending on the on the wisdom it profit at a given time, you you get the satisfaction of bringing joy to so many children. And how do I do that? He asked aloud, his breath forming ghosts around his mouth. At the head of the rain, at the head of the reindeer, Rudolph, his muzzle lay badly scarred round the faintly luminous bulb of his nose, glanced back over his shoulder as if he. F- thought he had been addressed. The old man looked at him and felt a twinge of sadness. Of them all, of everyone on earth, this poor dumb creature animal was probably the closest. He had a friend. It sacrificed much to stay by his side. Enduring the bullying of his brethren, the life-draining effect of the genetic and an enemy that it made his nose seem to glow in Sophie for the moon. The antique hunters and their despair Blight, returning home with him as a trophy. It's okay, boy, he told the animal. He watched and he watched him for another moment, doubting his wolf's eyes before joining the others in grazing. They need you, Nick. Not no, now more than ever, his wife said, and he frowned. More and more these days, he, she spouted hallmark sentiments designed to delay a doubt that grew worse when barking each each passing day once she had been right but he suspected even she didn't believe her words anymore they had been they had seen and endured too much over the centuries and witnessed too many changes for the worse he didn't know he didn't however greet her remarks with hostility at least not one not in her presence he feared that might not might happen if he disabused her of what little festive spirit still lingered within her she might lose her smile, and with it, all remaining hope that things would never be like that like they used to be. There was already enough distance between them, committed as she was to supporting a pursuit he no longer believed in. Prancer snuffled and shook his head, bridle and rattling. The old man chose to think of it, it was a coincidence, and not an agreement or a denial of his faults. He looked down at his hands with their de- deterioration visible through the rents in the material. The fingers were thin and spindly. For a long time he had not aged, the clock stopping at sixty-one. But it seemed now that he was being punished for his citizenship and the new mentality was apparently a privilege that could be provoked. He had failed to fully immerse himself in the role assigned him. But he was tired, so very tired. Although the world continued to celebrate the seasons and the days marked for joy, 
He saw little joy on their faces. He said he saw billboards and commercials instructing his old parents where and when to spend money. He didn't have to on his extravagant toys that would be forgotten and broken in six months. He saw the transcendent delight on the children's faces, a facade that hinted at disappointment at not receiving something bigger, better, more expensive. He saw the parents broke on the verge of divorce, drinking too much to avoid confronting the reality of the situation. He each other all arguing silently while their children grew bored and flipped idly through channels on TV, hardly seeing anything at all, and every channel between commercials designed to inflame the greed of children and make them rule the gift, choice of gifts were visible representations of, all, of the old man. Ho, 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 his way down the chimney is far too small, we, to accommodate him, or rescue some wretched wraith from the heartbreak and loneliness. But who, he wondered, will rescue me? Ultimately, he realized that despite the centuries of dedication, little more than a commercial himself, of an ancient billboard with unchanging message, he represented its pants upon it, exploiting the pressure on people ill, perhaps prepared to handle it. Invertedly, he went sent some people to their deaths when he had, then he had saved. Like those commercials, he reminded parents to have their obligations and children as entitlements. They watched them from afar. It all came apart. He never entered the houses. This is a good thing, particularly in the current climate. But he would, not, would no doubt be arrested or shot, contrary to the myth, he did not ride a sleigh laden with enough presents for every child in the world. He had no presents at all. That was not his job. He rode a sleigh empty for intangible promises, and those were hard enough, heavy enough. In old days, he'd yearned to live up to the world's interpretation of him, even going as far as to sell most of the belongings from his immortal life. That's right at the time, as priceless antiques that he could afford to buy presents of at least a thousand children. Even then, even after this overjoyed wife fashioned a large freight sack from old bed sheets, he was faced with a problem of distribution. Remarkably flying deer or not, there were still laws he could not he could just not just insulate his way into people's houses. So he left them in the mailboxes and of the impoverished, only to find a third of them destroyed or stolen. Another third had been stolen after it failed to consider the impact of the weight of so many parcels would have on a sleigh, and the poor beast asked, asked with putting it. Consequences on Christmas Day, 1965, roughly 300 packages rained down on the Sahara Desert, where they lay broken and useless to the sand or raised them from forever. Even the presents that made it made it made it to their intended recipients left him feeling curiosity and apathetic. He supposed it was because, unlike the iconic failure he inspired, he would not see the reactions of children who received them, could not see the elevation of disappointment. He suspected, despite the poverty, it was some of the latter than the former. After all, it would be sheer coincidence if any of the gifts he gave him were the things that he asked for. Despite the enthusiasm that marked his departure from home, that, that year... Stay loaded with presents. It's the last time he attempted to fit the whole world's whole image of him.
There were simply too many variables, too many obstacles, with no way of knowing at the end of it all. Of it, what what he'd been worth, and unlike the jolly fat man in the red suit, he had He was a masticated figure, drained of spirit. His suit was tattered and torn, and more mottled maroon than red. His boots had holes in the soles. His jolly red hat had long since blown away, exposing a, a bald head, threaded by scars earned in through those first clumsy days where he had to pick learn quickly how to fly a vehicle designed to land on the designed to travel on the round so every year he inspected his sleigh promising he would give it much more needed lick of paint or a pair of buckled running boards knowing he would not he would ease himself in the seat with infected threadbare cushion and let the reindeer take him to yet another tour of the right world all the while thoughts of children in the houses beneath the chipped and spintled wood of his sleigh played him. He could not help but picture the starving ones as dirt smeared faces of suffering, but the young hiding behind the bubble as the shells exploded, mere feet away and dying in disease, as kids locked in cellars by parents of perverts. It made him feel like a cold-hearted observer flying over hell. This, he feared, was closer to the truth than he cared to admit, although his wife's journey agreed to Though his wife sternly agreed to such theories, she was never able to convince him. It was was it wasn't just she herself believed the whole whole reality of of it of it was. He existed to turn the minds of children away from the true meaning of Christmas, away from God, by appealing to the greed, to appease the greed. The children, parents suffered, yet no one ever thought of the old men for anything but benevolent, but shocked they would be if they knew he thought himself closer to a mercy of devil. He had flown through wars, concealed by smoke, dodging out a trilogy not meant for him, coughing through muddy fields, occupied by shifting spectres of mustard gas, and littered with bodies. He watched cities burn and drown and crumble. He'd watched and wept with fire as children were led to skyscrapers. He then he had seen them murdered by the hundred at the hands of the monsters, and they, he, their alleged patron saint, had done nothing. Disgusted, he whipped his reins, ignoring the caustic look from Joshua as the reindeer ceased at their feeding and took the sleigh along the hill, headed for the edge and the air beyond. beyond. People had saw him, saw him, he knew. It was that there was only one joy he could claim was that. Over the years he had seen been people on the street, young and old-like, who had glanced up and caught sight of him sailing through the air. The children screamed and pointed and danced with delight. The adults had just stared, stricken, unable to go to work and reconcile what they had seen. We remember devastation at the hands of their... Uh, He had flown through wars, concealed by smoke, dug, 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 
Dodging men, artillery not meant for him, coughing through muddy fields occupied by shifty spectres of mustard had littered with bodies. He had watched cities burn and drown and crumble. He had watched and wet with fire as children were led to ghost chambers. He had seen them murdered by hundreds of the hands of murder monsters, and there he, their alleged patriot saint, had done nothing. Disgusted, he whipped the reins, ignoring the caustic look from Dasher, as the reindeer ceased their feeding and tugged at the sleigh along the hill, headed for the edge, and there it belonged. People had seen him, he knew it one, if it was the one joy he could claim, it was that. Over the years he, there had been people on the street, young and like, who had just got up and caught him but, sight of him, standing for the air, the children screamed and pointed and danced with light. The adults had start was had stared stricken. And they were so what they were seeing. People had not seen him, he knew. It was one joy he could claim, is that. Over the years, of people in the street, young and old alike, who glanced up and caught sight of him, ailing through the sailing through the air. The children screamed and pointed and danced with delight. The adults had stared, stricken, and unable to reconcile what they had seen from the remembering devastation at the hands of their own parents, who told them in earnest there was no such thing. And, so, and on such occasions, the old man had grinned and waved, yeah, and yelled, Merry Christmas, at the top of his lungs. It was... Uh, <sighs> he, and uh, the alleged patriot traitor, and nothing... Disgusted, he whipped the reins, ignoring the caustic look from Dasher, as the reindeers ceased their feeding and tugged the sleigh behind, along the hill, dread, headed for the edge of the air beyond. People had seen him, he knew. It was one joy he could claim was that uh, over the years he had seen people in the street, young and old alike, he who glanced up and caught sight of him, sailing through the air. The children screamed and pointed and danced with light. The adults had stared, stricken, unable to reconcile what they were seeing, and would remember devastation at the hands of their own parents, who had told them in earnest there was no such thing. And such occasions, the old man, he grinned and waved and yelled, Merry Christmas, at the top of his lungs, he had excited him, however briefly had restored for a while the jubilation. He once felt knowing that for some it didn't matter that he wasn't the Santa Claus they grew up believing in they'd been pro- or been programmed to believe in. For some he simply represented hope and dreams more real proof that there was something more to life than grind and pressure the struggle proof of magic. It had been a long time since he'd been seen, but tonight would change as he angled a sleigh towards the moon, the reindeer suffering, and muscles rolling over heady hides. He did not look down at the street sweeping beneath him. It was no need. These days children did not stay up late watching for him. They did not seek out the cold and stare up at the sky, hoping for a glimpse of a confirmation that the other kids were telling him at school wasn't true. Nowadays they stay inside, eyes wide and glassy, as they watched lies on their computer and television screens, which sincerely sounding reporters stood red faces shivering outside a graphic insert that showed a fictional sentence fight buff in real time. No expense was spared on protecting the myth.
which, while elsewhere, other children died of exposure or starvation or abuse, uh, still others crumbled as their parents gave them the truth. They prayed was not there. During being a premature end to the wonderful world of fantasy and magic, Santa Claus is not real. To the old man currently riding towards upward in the moonlight sky, the cold wind was biting his shallow cheeks, the moon looming large before him. He hated the truth that those parents so curiously shared was the ultimate individual one. He was real, but Santa Claus was not, and never had been. Tomorrow the evidence of the lie will be laid out for all to see, and perhaps it would be an instigate a change for the better, embracing a magic one last time. Perhaps it would be the opposite, forcing people who once believed become bitter and critical of anything, everything, and would not see themselves. Perhaps it would turn them further away from God, or perhaps it means nothing at all. Nick, don't sit the wife. It, it doesn't have to be over. That would that there was always little conviction of voice. She knew as well as he did that he had reached the end of that whatever path they had been instructed to follow. He once read a line about every species being able to sense its own extinction. He thought it might be so, something to do with that. Everything has an end eventually, he said, the wind of his passage ripping the words from his mouth. One final ride, he thought, of cracking the wings, a reindeer that who's pounding nothing but air quickened and spice. Mulder looked back, the light in his nose brightening the closer they got to the moon. There was no annoying sadness in his bright dark eyes. The old man nodded at him and smiled in only measurement of their friendship or their eternity spent together in service of some unknown and questionable force as a slightly crested to an invisible wave. The reindeer dipped its head and then twisted her sharply round, turning the sleigh upside down. The other reindeer forced to follow it. Lead kit processed, but it was too late. The old man fell from the sky, smiling as it plummeted towards the earth. A wind snapped at his clothes. There's other the reindeer dipped in and suddenly sharply turning the sleigh up and down. The other reindeer forced to follow its lead, kicked and processes, but too late the old man fell from the sleigh, smiling as it puppeted toward the earth. The wind snapped at his clothes, tore free his gloves, a lid, tore a boot slid off and lost the light. Overhead the reindeer carried on, led by a small blue star. There's sleigh bells ringing like the chiming of a clock, counting off the moments before the end. They are headed for the moon, and with every resting place they would have them. The lights of the city rushed to meet the old man, an ugly, sulfuric glow that made him think of the poisonous air, ghosting its way across the, those European battlefields. Time marches on, he thought, seconds before the impact. The lights of the city rushed out to meet the old man in an ugly, sympathetic glow that made him think of the poisonous air grossing its way across the European battlefields. Time marches on, he thought, seconds before the impact. He would soon forget. There were no faces in the windows watching. Man, horror host here. Nothing but stirring by Billy Sue Mosserman. 
enough rats descended on Fairfield Manor that Christmas to sink a flotilla of ships. In fact, that's where Martha Bell, my cook, said they came from, the ships at the dock in town, two miles distant, I told her. She insisted they brought the plague, the one we huddled in the house to avoid, and now they were here, stealing the mint pies, the potatoes at every single caramel square she made. It just it was just the two of us once past the age of thirty. I gave her the idea of family. Martha Bell had been my first nanny, and now my housekeeper and cook. She's nothing if not outspoken. We were so, so alone, she'd taken to speaking plainly. The rats ain't, ain't that can't be that bad, I said, knowing my own vacation. She exaggerated. She reached to her apron and took a meat cleaver from her deep pocket. It looked suspiciously stained. You've been chopping them to death? I was startled. There really must be a lot of rats. I can't keep up, she said, stiffing the cleaver back into a pocket. If one of them nip us, we're surely sicken and die. I rubbed my chin and turned my back to look out the window into front of the house. My imagination ran rampant to what I saw waves of transparent rats rushing over the rising hill where Fairford stood. Assaulting the castle by hordes, I shuddered. I will help you, I said. Together we strode to the massive cold kitchen and stood in the wild, wild, wide doorway. Across the cobbled stone floor, a dozen rats scattered. Mary Bell let down a loud grunt and whipped out the cleaver. She traced the scandals, got two of them, and rendered them. In two, blood squirted across the stones, and other rats ran under the cupboards and cabinets. Oh, God! He's the only one who can save us, Malfordale said in a solemn voice. In, the, in, ta- in town, my sister died of a plague. Also, my cousin Edwin and my gardener, the handyman, they dug pits and threw the covered davers on top of one another, setting them on fire before burying them. town sunk like hot death. I hadn't gone there in f- weeks, and load of food was filling out. It was enough for two of us, at least through Christmas Day. Again, the rats emerged, peeking out from the crannies and the holes. So the two of us scrambled across the floor after they, after them like wild hogs. I stumped the ones I closed on, and Martha Bell slung her cleaver with reddish parting heads and bodies, legs and torsos, bellies sliced in half, her guts failing in cascades. We were friendless as manics for half an hour. We're huffing and puffing the rats hid again. What are we doing? I frowned at Martha Bell and said, We try poison? What are we going to do? I frowned at Mary Bell and said, We try poison. For a week the poison I work earlier bought in town worked on the rat population. We found dead rats everywhere and not just in the kitchen now. One lay dead in an easy chair near the fireplace. Two were found beneath the covers of my bed. Three in the lavatory, two in the hallway, four on the second landing. They infiltrated the entire house. But they, they had got smart and didn't touch the poison we set out. We had in nuts and bits of cheese. Yet still, they ignored the temptation. I don't know what we were to do. I woke the night before Christmas, feeling a wiggle under my toes, but on my near my toes under the cover, I felt whiskers brushing the side of my foot. I threw back the blanket and screamed like a little girl. I was so frightened, Mary Bell threw 
open my bedroom door. With a cleaver in her hand, she was in her nightmare and her eyes blazed. Where, where, she asked. Standing back from the bed, I pointed where something squirmed. She marched straight over, cut, got the cover on, slash, slash, slash. She laid a fat bastard to waste. Now my sheets were bloody and my stomach churned. Dispatched to hell, she shouted. I couldn't sleep at the rest of the night. I sat in my bedclothes near the fire and shook them from the cold and fear. How were we to win this loathsome battle? Why did they keep coming? Then Christmas morn dawned. I walked slowly down the stairs to the front parlour, a small craggy cedar tree that stood up there. I stood Still, as soon as I saw it, the old men were not a stone floor and broken. A pretty star on top had been shipped all the way from Spain, leaned precariously about to topple. The few packages beneath the tree were torn and condensed, scattered. A looking glass and a teapot for Bernie Bell, a skirt and silk tie for myself, a shirt and silk tie for myself, ruined. Christmas was ruined. Martha Bell eventually joined me and so, when she saw a turquoise teapot lying in the shards and looking glass in splinters. She put on her apron over her face and wept. I placed my arm around her shoulder and said, but By New Year's I'll replace your gifts. Do not fret. The cooking that day was hit and miss. While baking the scones and loaves of bread, a horrible scent filled the kitchen. So Mirabel had put down the pans only to find two rats roasted. She had to dump it all out the back. In the turkey gravy she found a clawed foot swimming and gaggled. We had nothing left to eat but the scrawny turkey I'd managed to bag. After weeks hunting in the woods, Mary Bell sat the polished table me, as she did on the holidays. For we f- we were family, really. Things mingled with the stinging meat. Don't cry. We are not. We aren't defeated. I am, she said, voice full of tears. She lifted her right arm and pulled back the sleeve of her blouse to reel, affected by an underarm. I am doomed, master. She really called me that, and only one. Or grim Caucasian. Oh, Martha Bell, don't give in. I would. We tr- we'll treat it. I left the table right away and went to Porsche and Palace. In just days, my dear companion, sick and lay in bed, panting. I began to bloat. My knife thought she was dead. A house rung f- with silence like. Shadow ghosts must be slipping about. I wrapped Martha Bell in a sheet and dragged her through the kitchen out the back to the wood. Pow! I turned to the house for kindling in the fire. To my, on my return, to my horror, my beyond, beloved friend's corpse lay wiggling and joicing as if gone by her. United Vina dropped the fire and jumped away from it. I tried cried out to God in heaven to stop this monstrosity, bade him to take away the demon creatures and the terrible death they brought. Martha Bell jittered under the, the, every orifice a rat came lurking stout and f- whiskers, sharp teeth and pink tongue lowing, lolling from eye sockets, nose and mouth. They were inside her, eating their fuel. I took my pillow, pillow of fire and forced them back. I set fire to the cloth and watched the, the congregation consume someone I'd known all my life. Tears clogged my heart and weirdened my eyes. I would go away from here. I would flee, man of 
Firewood Runner, and leave it to the raining, leave it to the raining rats. Inside, I packed my bag and threw in a little food. Soon, one remaining horse took my on, on, on our last remaining horse. I didn't stop riding till after midnight. The next day, feeling down trodden, I thought I would die. A young boy from Haven Mill, KSO, caught up with me on horseback and invited me to lunch with his people. Grateful that I found a sound, healthy soul, I agreed. I met his parents, John and Elizabeth, his three brothers and two sisters. Lunch was served as by two well-dressed servants of a butler. I tried to explain him what happened by my, uh, my home, my farewell manner, but it had to be delicate of ruining the country's spirit. Appetite. As soon I spoke softly to Lucy Buffabell, I saw a moment in the, from the corner of my eyes a glance at the wall. Opposite the table, my stare was drawn to a toll in the basements, and the black eyes staring out from the darkness. Words failed me. I stuttered and pointed, but no one else saw the devil. As soon as they were past his finished, I was thanked my neighbours and rode hard away into the lowing, lowing evening. Soon I knew this that the castle would be overrun and all would die. They said that rats brought the fleas, and fleas infected us with bionic pay. I say no. A rats overcame us, and that does for like delicacies. Fleas never could never do the great harm. Rats did it did it to my country. I rode my house through the woods, over mountains, aboard ferries, and across meadows. I rode my horse through gullets across grassy and berry vines and deep down ravines. I rode until the horse lava coated my hands before I stopped for the night. I had to be hundreds of miles away from London and reach of the plague, but still rode on, full of fury and resentment. By Christmas had I reached the country's limits and took a ship. I didn't want to know I wanted to didn't want to, knowing that there were rats coming from. But they had no had to be done. It meant to be go any further. At first, up my narrow cot, I heard a scrabbling along the plank, and then I stiffened. The second night, like my beast, crept into the end of my cot and nibbled gently at my toes. At the end of the week, every jack man of of us was bitten of by fleeing rack infected and dying. I couldn't even land by Christmas. Christmas Day he found the ship perfect of living men as it floated out and out and out into the blast blue sea and with its cargo of the dead. I never see favoured manor again. Ghostman Horror Host here Navely by Jamie Josie. Christmas made me want to vomit. A false bullshit cheer of people trying to redeem themselves of all their bad deeds for the year by buying shit from others. It just gets to me. One might say Christmas has always been a particularly bad time in my life. I managed to make it through every year by not going out much. I work from my home, which makes it a hell of a lot easier. I also do my grocery on shopping online and have it delivered. My only real problem was my arsehole neighbour, Steve. Every year he lights up everything in his fucking property and each every season he adds, up, he adds even more ridiculous shit to it. This year he added three reindeer, an elfin cowler group and six giant ass three-foot candles to what lie in his driveway. It's like living across from Willy fucking Wonka. 
or play all day. There's been sound effects and music. Fuck me right. Look, I hate. I'm. I'm get hating Christmas. Is it normal? I've never said I was normal. I never expected myself to be normal. Not with my background. My seeing mum's idea of a Christmas present to herself was to staple me hundreds of them all around my arms and legs. Then she'd take my uh, sweet little time pulling them out one by one. That, when that happens, from the tender age of three all the way till you stop when you're 40 for Christmas, you wound up hating the holidays. You also know your life has never been normal. Or rather, you come to think that it's normal. Speaking of rude people and God, how I hate them. My neighbour is the worst of them. He's the president of the Homeowners Association and spends a large portion of his life telling other people what to do. Such a prick. It's so surprising that I, is it so surprising that I killed him? I think it's surprising part is that I waited so long to do it. Sorry, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. I should wait start with me, me coming home from a dentist appointment that night. He blocked my driveway with his fucking candles. When I left my car to ask him to move it, he was all apologizing and gee, sorry Dan, and sat in my car, jaw aching while he moved him. It took 15 minutes to look of cane was wearing off. I needed to take a pain pill. I pissed. I was pissed but decided to keep the neighborhood peace and just drove on onto my garage without saying nothing or killing anyone at that point. I pulled in and shut the door behind me, considering not for the first time, leaving the car running and being doing being done with it all. Then they came and knocked on my garage door. I sighed and shut off the engine. Another time, I opened the door, going outside from the garage, and there he stood in splatter of his fruitcake in his hands. These hands were clad you not little style gloves complete with t- little tiny fucking bells all along the seam Dan so you sorry about that earlier with the candles and fuss and platter to me I dodged what the fuck would I do with, do with that I sneered at his offering hoping he would get the point to leave eat it chuck it I don't care I'm just being nice and gifting gifting you some he shrugged and thrust a plate to me again yeah real nice thanks for the gift I wound up holding my platter and having to say some ridiculous shit we met. We, we must, must have society thank you for the thing you gave me I didn't want or ask for. We're having a Christmas party if you want to come by. No thanks, I'm a Christian. Don't you have to be a Christian to enjoy a Christmas party? I suppose he thought it sounded wise, but it really sounded like bullshit. Yeah, maybe later. Thanks, I shut the door in my face a lot. Then I turned and went to my house, locking the door behind me as well. How much more shit was bro, Jude Bro over there going to give me? I mean, Christmas did not have more fun memory to me. I was like, just, uh, he was just like a fucking annoying guy, guy in green eggs and ham, Sam and I'm. No means no, not right, apparently not. You not you if you ask him or Sam, Steve. I walked into my kitchen and tossed a platter that was a vent. It's actually cotton canned candy ashes and waste paper paste on the island. I pulled a can of soup down from the cupboard and grabbed a bowl, ignoring the directions of the label. I, I emptied the contact in the bowl and popped it in the microwave for just two minutes. It would be salty enough to sustain my knife, just the way I liked it. I planned no 
on chicken for dinner, but a surprise root canal and crown had had me not chewing, filling up to chewing. A chicken star soup I had, was having said it would be perfect for my sore jaw. After dinner, I was going to take a pain bill, have a hot shower, and go to bed. It was an excellent plan. I followed it well. I was just emerged from the shower, all warm and sleepy, but when the door rang, rang. It was Steve, a.k.a. the neighbor from hell. Hey, the party's really heating up. You should come up, come on back with me. Thanks, Steve. But I'm going to bed. Was the dentist today? I was at the dentist today, and I'm wiped out. See, I'm being polite. Oh, that explains why you're being such a prick about it. Fuck the dentist. Don't be, don't be a party poop. It's Christmas. Come back with me. I preach the offer, but I'm really rough. I really would rather go to bed slightly, slightly rude, perhaps. But it's designed to see, make the idiot see. I didn't want to go, go to his party without calling him the fucking arsehole. I thought he was. Oh, come on. Whatever happened to you can't do so bad that you hate Come on, whatever happens to you, can't be so bad that you hate Christmas. First off, kiddies, never assume you know how someone is feeling or what they've been through. Actually, yeah, it can be. Please go back and enjoy your party. I'm heading to bed. Thanks for thinking of me. See you again with the polite. Let me be honest, I'm fucking saint right now. Well, the only way to conquer the fear is to get over it. He grabbed my hand and began pulling me out of the house. Steve, you chill. I'm in short pair of shorts, man. I'm not going to your party, party, man. Have fun, though. You're such a pussy. I can't believe you turned down a fucking party with kinds of hot snacks just to sleep. What? Where is your... Where, what, what, what are you, queer? Amazing how much of Christmas Christians are quite... Not so quite like, isn't it? No, I am an adult who preferred not to celebrate a holiday. I doesn't believe in. But I do wish to, to those who can do to celebrate well. Have a good night. I push him out of my doorway and close the door. Door bang. Go away, Steve. I'm going to bed. I say just that and move to my bedroom. I called to the bed, but I didn't feel sleepy anymore. I felt uncomfortable, like the ache. I've got my is being kicked in the balls. Oh, 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 only... All over, I lay there for some time, itchy and uncomfortable. Even upon my thousand French couch sheets, I waited to sleep, but it didn't come. Probably good, it didn't. Or I would never have heard the door back door getting jimmied. I moved from the bed and grabbed it at a crowbar. I crept beside the bed for just such a moment. I stalked to the back of my house took up a defensive position behind the door, waited. Once they entered my house, I was free to bash them in the head. Self-defense is a beautiful thing, my friends. After a few minutes of Jimmy and the guilty party strolled into my back door like he owned the place, I heard the tinkering bells and saw it Steve, but figured it, but, and saw it Steve, but figured it, but, but, figured, fuck it, I'll teach him a lesson. Crowbell come down on his right shoulder and he shrieked, Wait, it's me. Stop hitting me, you fucking freak. I don't care who you are. You don't break into my someone's house. I hit him over, over and over. I guess you must have blacked out because when I came, his head wasn't much more than mush. Not again. When would people stop tricking me? I try to be nice. Just leave me alone. I don't want to be around people. Such a mess. What do I do? If I call the police, cops, they will take me in and and be, make, have me committed again. That's a lot of violence in, in those blows. If I did 
If I did a call, I would have to give myself some injuries to to even things up a bit more. I wouldn't have to tell, didn't have to tell the cops. I would, I have, to, I would remember him and burn him in my fire bit in the backyard. Just drag him right into the bathtub and cut him, him up, him up. I just, I was, I have seen all the bleach, and I was assuming by the lack of police, I was no one saw him break into my house. I truly didn't think anyone would miss him. Hey, they've been. A few people on the street saw me at the door, or door, which gave me an alibi. I wasn't the last person to see him, that everyone else would point to anyway. I looked at the mush that was once my neighbour. He shouldn't have been such an arsehole. I thought he'd be. Maybe I should go to, to go to the Hollywood throughout. I mean, I have to pull the cupboard, carpet up anyway. It's far too stained to be fixed, Hollywood would only add value to the house. That was really one more of a problem for later. Right then, I had to haul him to the bathtub. I grabbed his ankles and began dragging him. He left behind a thick sway of blood spotted with chunks of brain matter. I didn't mean to, I would need to clean them later. I managed to do this, use his own mass of, to leverage to get him into the tub. The tub flaps of flesh where his face made a silly squeaky slapping it's against the tub. I removed my clothing and headed into the garage to my recovering sword and can of gas. Thank, thanking God I charged the batteries. I tried to force my emotions aside. Mostly my rage. This fucking messed with me my life far too often. I'm sorry. I killed him. But I was going to jail or back to the padded wall palace for him. Fuck that. I saw the gas can by the door, back door. I moved to the bathroom. I took a brief breath, locked the battery into place on the saw, and started it. I got back right into it and began with his right arm. I was disappointed to say that I scratched the tub a good four or five times before I got the hang of it. Luckily, you cast an iron tub. A good tip for future reference is easier to cut through joints than solid bone. I pulled down the shower curtain and laid each piece within. Then I folded, taped and sealed my macabre little package and took it to the back door, headed straight for the fire pit and laying it right into the well. I quickly went back inside and washed the tub, cleaned the bathroom and living room and cut out a large square carpet soaked in blood. I carried the paper towels I used to clean my clothes as well as the carpet and padding out the fire. I faded, grabbed up the gas can by the back door and soaked the body in the gas. Then I added the carpet square and paper towels and paddling and layered several logs over the top of that. I soaked all of it and rest the gas and lighted a little match, tossing it in and starting the fire. Adios, Steve. After all that, I waited a bit more to make sure the fire didn't attract attention by a shower had cleaned again and took another look around the house before grabbing a bottle of marlot and t- t- it, taking it outside to enjoy the roaring fire. After all that, I wanted to make sure the fire didn't attract attention. Then I showered to clean again, took another bottle around the house before grabbing a bottle of marlot and thinking it talking outside to enjoy the wire fire. I was grateful my house blocked the view of the fire from the street. Even more grateful I had a, a burn permit which was known to have and was known 
to have bonfires from time to time while entertaining the ladies. A carpet paddling melted, sticking the remaining bits to Steve, occasionally catching fire and acting almost like napalm. The bones crackled and splintered. I was grateful for the world, but a rock containing a burning corpse. What made me actually smile amidst all the horror was how the bells of his clothes made funny crackling, shrieking noises as they burned off and fell to the ground, disformed everything. As the smell of his melted flesh mixed the odour of burnt plastic, the carpet and shower curtains that created a not entirely unpleasant smell, like really good smoked ribs. I wished for a moment I hadn't added a carpet or curtain. I wondered what t- Steve tasted like. That's madness. Can't wonder that route. Push up ahead and behave. I pushed finished a bottle of wine and waited for the embers to die down. There was there were still large shrouds of burn left and many bone left and many teeth had survived intact. They those I were buried deep into my vegetable patch. The calcium would do the world loud and good. I swear I fucking hate Christmas. But at least it'll be good for my garden this year. I may must say it'd be mightily naive Steve to take care of it for me.